the Ghost Goal Podcast. We've got just over two weeks before the Premier League season kicks off, which means in the two weeks since we last covered Premier League transfers, we've got plenty more big transfers in the works, some completed, some about to be completed. Plus, there's a whole continent of Europe to talk about the big sides like Barcelona, Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Dortmund, and PSG even getting some business done that's going to shape the European landscape for years to come. I'm Alex. Here with Javier, welcome to the Ghost Gold Podcast, episode 364. We're doing another transfer check-in. Uh, Javier, you've got Alexander Zinchenko in the pipe. We, we've got so much to get get through. We might as well skip the how you doings and what's going on yeah, everything. We, do, we have a lot to... There's so much every week to get now, to. There's, there's a lot of signings. You know, we're getting to crunch time because the, the season's starting earlier now. Yeah. Because of the World Cup. So a lot of these signings are coming earlier than you, than usual. Yeah, so if we want to have meaningful conversations, uh, let's get right into it. We'll, we'll start with you guys. Maybe there's one other transfer you can talk to us about, but the main one that looks like it's about to be made official is uh, Oleksandr Zinchenko moving from Manchester City to Arsenal for, I think or- David Ornstein said, about $30 million, which uh, it seems like it was like a, kind of a uh, second-choice move after Lissandro Martinez was had his head turned to more towards Manchester United, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, but I would argue that you guys got a better player and one that fits the system that you're going to want to play, and you got him for a cheaper fee. So I think this is a win all around for Arsenal. What do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty ecstatic to be getting Zinchenko. I know that he hasn't played a very long run of games for Manchester City really ever in his career, but he's been there for a long time, uh, I think five five years now, and... You know, like Gabriel Jesus, these are players with Premier League experience who will pretty much be able to just fit in seamlessly to what Arteta wants. And these are players that have already worked with Mikel Arteta, know what Mikel Arteta wants. And I mean, I don't think they're going to need time to adapt. You know, these are the types of players that, you know, we got Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko for, you know, 70, 80 million combined. You know, that's that's great business from City because they basically sold their bench for, you know. But Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko weren't just bench players because that's what people were calling them. I mean, they were both used in key games this season in Champions League, in the league, in huge games. And they had they they were both part of big moments um, that were critical to, to the success of this team throughout the years. And I don't think we're getting... City's bench or City's rejects here. I think these are players that were part of the system that have played, you know, for Manchester City for for five years and are that good to be at that level. Yeah, absolutely. They're not. Gonna, he started the Champions League final against Chelsea the previous season. He's he's definitely not just some sort of end of the bench player. He's he's someone that I actually envisage going straight into your midfield. And yeah, that's absolutely. that's not so much based off of his performances for Manchester City. It's based off of his performances for Ukraine, where he's like absolutely the driving creative force for that Ukraine team. And uh, he's a Swiss Army knife player, which is something you guys have been dying out for. So to get that for only thirty million, and how old is he? Twenty five. Yeah, twenty five. Yeah, we still have bad. him for his whole prime. Yeah, that's just for him and Jesus, both of them twenty five years old. 
tons of Premier League experience. Both of them are going to be able to plug and play. Super excited about these two signings. I, I yeah, think as you should I be. Think, I think if we'd gotten Lissandro Martinez and paid what Manchester United paid for him, wouldn't have been nearly as good of a signing as this. You know, I know that we like went after him, but it seems like Zinchenko is the much much wiser choice all around, spending less money. And yes, yeah, I would I would support that. Just plug that and play because I Lissandro Martinez. Who knows how he's going to do? You know, I'm sure he'll be great down the line for United, but it might take him a little time to adapt. So. Zinchenko, Jesus, both speak English perfectly. You know, it's just, it's just great signings. So excited. So the thing I, I well, moving on to the Lissandro Martinez signing because that was just made official, I believe, the other day. I still don't think it's a bad signing for Manchester United. Like they need to they need to sign players, obviously, and defensive minded players because they really overpaid. I mean, was a shambles. United, they overpaid United for sure. Overpaid massively here. I mean, this player. That seems to be a, a common theme. You know, they overpaid for Sancho after waiting a really long time to wrap that one up. They overpaid kind of for Bruno Fernandes when they signed him. It ended up being worth it, but overpaid for Maguire. That's kind of a, th- a theme here with Manchester United. But that doesn't mean that he won't have a positive influence on the squad. No, Whenever but I think I think it's still a great player for them to sign. I mean, I would have been excited if he had been signed for Arsenal. Um, you know, he's a versatile player as well. He can play in midfield. He can play center back. He can play left back. You know, he provides cover for United in all of those places. He also gives you another level of, of energy, of, of talent coming. You know, he plays for the, for the Argentinian national team. You know, it, it's just a little bit of flair as well. Just everything that this guy brings, um, it's going to be positive for Manchester United. This is the type of player that they need to sign. This is the type of quality that they need to bring in, but they need like three or four more signings like this, to be honest. Yeah, but I mean, just focusing on this one a little longer, the the main factor I would say that's so important about this signing is that whenever you bring in a manager like Eric Ten Hag and his very specific uh, ideals of playing, uh, especially to a squad that has... It was like when Sorry got Jorginho. See, exactly. So but you and I have a group chat with my, my cousin Connor. If Connor's listening, shout out to you, Connor. I made like a comparison to Ten Hag off of a, and well, to Sari uh, of Ten Hag off of a bullshit clip of Ten Hag screaming, what the fuck are you doing when his players pass the ball back during a preseason game? But there's a very real link there because the stage at which Manchester United and Chelsea, the stage of the club at the time that Sari and Ten Hag have come into those clubs, they're both very defensive clubs. They created all their chances based basically off counterattacks. And they were being asked to do a very different style of football, much more patient build from the back, but not let it get too, you know, predictable. It's a tough transition to make. It's that first season, especially when you're instilling those principles. United in preseason look like they've taken to it pretty well. But Lissandro Martinez is, like you said, kind of a similar player who's familiar with the uh, manager's style and how he wants to play. And that's why you've seen players like Frankie de Jong linked as well, even though he doesn't seem to be interested in coming. The whole point of it, and, you know, Donny van der Beek will probably be brought back into the fold. Malasia, a uh, Dutch, or, well, playing in the Dutch league for Feyenoord, brought in. It's it, These are all players that are going to try and ease that transition to the new style of play. So in, in that regard, it's definitely a pivotal signing for Man United. I'm not sure how good he's going to be right away because... Do you worry about the undersized thing? He's only five nine. Like, can he play center back, or do you, do you think because he's Argentine, he's you know he's used to throwing his weight around and he'll be fine? Yeah, there, you know, there's been players like Javier Mascherano and you know 
Tagliafico is another good one. Argentinian left back who uh, I think just moved to Lyon. Okay. Yeah, but th- he's another short one that's t- still very good on the ball and can still hold his own physically. I don't think you have to be tall, but I think he's got a leap on him. Yeah, and, I guess Burnley uh, are out of the league now. He's very accurate with the ball. He's a great passer of the ball, so that's going to be a huge asset for United. They they really need that. Like after they lost Paul Pogba, they don't really have that type of driving force in the midfield who can uh, who can play a, a really good through ball from from thirty forty yards out. Yeah, he's going to be an interesting one uh, to see and to see who else uh, Man United sign because uh, I think they've been linked with plenty of other players. Uh, but let's move on to one of the ones that's uh, been made official for a couple of days now, Kaladu Koulibaly. Uh, a deal that got done in about two days from the time it was first rumored to uh, when Fabrizio Romano gave the here we go. Kaladu uh, Koulibaly, 31-year-old uh, Senegalese center back, uh, moved from Napoli to Chelsea for $33.5 million, uh, plus add-ons, which will probably bring it up to close to $40 million. He is the Antonio Rudiger replacement. There is no getting around that. Rare to see Chelsea spend $33 million on a 31-year-old. I know that he's a center back and center backs. Yeah. Chelsea never, I mean, Chelsea during the Abramovich era, you guys kind of made a point of not spending any money on anyone over 30 or giving them more than, you know, one or two years contracts. And you gave Koulibaly a long contract, paid a lot of money for him, giving him high wages. He's 31 years old. He's, you know, he's still absolutely a beast, an amazing player, a beast. You know, I I think he's going to add to Chelsea for, you know, at least a couple of years to come, but I wouldn't be surprised if two, three, two years down the line, he starts falling off and his, you know, he, he's not, uh, you know, cause he's been playing at a high level on the same team for a long time, but he's been playing in the Italian league. Like this guy hasn't been playing in the hardest league in the world for, for a long time. You know, he's been playing in the same league and the Premier League's a big step up. You know, I, I'm not saying that he's not going to be a, a, a great he's, for you guys. I, I mean, so I won't disagree but with the fact that think, he will probably fall off two or three years down the line, like near the end of that contract. I don't, I don't doubt that at all. But the the fact of the matter is that it's a completely new ownership group at Chelsea. I've been saying to you all season, whenever I've been saying to everyone all season, when they ask me what do you think is going to happen, I'm just like I have no idea. For the last like fifteen to twenty years. I've been able to like pretty much confidently say what Chelsea are going to do or not going to do in the transfer market uh, because Roman Abramovich had pretty clear patterns. And I'm sure patterns will you know develop with the new ownership. But the first summer they come in when they've only had like weeks to prepare and the first couple of weeks were spent trying to offload Lukaku before they could do anything else. The reason this like came out of nowhere is because we literally have uh, no idea what the 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 transfer plan was. Jules Kunde seemed like he was a sure thing back in May during the international break. Then it went dead and he was going to go to Barcelona. And now it looks like Chelsea are going to sign him again. So things are changing day to day because there's there's no way to predict it when we've, you know, we've never seen these owners operate before uh, in professional soccer. I think if you soccer, go and get so. Kunde, that's really the Rudiger replacement. But no, 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 I mean, I, this no is... let, me, let me make the case. Kaladu Koulibaly, he is the Rudiger replacement in that we needed a experienced, confident center back who is a good influence on the pitch and a good influence off of it. All accounts of Kaladu Koulibaly make him out to be a spectacular human being 
off the field, like a great leader, great mentor to other defenders around him. You've all seen that famous clip of him uh, pushing, who was it, Mario Rui, the left back at Napoli, pushing him into uh, killing Mbappe when Mbappe like cut back. Like that's an example on the field, but like there are plenty of examples off the field, and I'm, I'm sure his teammates for uh, former Napoli teammate Jorginho and Edouard Mendy for Senegal were both ecstatic that they signed him, and they have always given like glowing praise of him. So on the field, he's going to be very easily the left center back slot in, and if Kunde signed, he'll start at right center back with Thiago Silva in the middle. Adding Chilwell and James, if we're sticking with the five at the back, that's. That's a pretty, on paper, that's a pretty excellent backline. Good mix of experience, pace. Koulibaly can, has a lot of the same attributes that Rudiger displayed uh, as a center back. He's very fast, great on the ball, and can play long balls in behind from uh, very far back. He's going to be, a, I'm really looking forward to it. It's pretty much the best outcome you can, you can expect of these new owners who came in and were losing Rudiger because Abramovich and his team fucked up re-signing him. So they made the best Alex, of the shitty let situation. Me tell you, let me tell you, Alex, I'm going to be watching uh, Chelsea play on Saturday. Chelsea Arsenal, I'm going down to Orlando and I'm going to see He'll probably Kalibali. play. Yeah, he'll probably I'll play. Probably see, I'll probably see the debut of Khalidou Koulibaly. Yeah, he probably won't play in the, the, the Charlotte FC game on Wednesday. I'm guessing he's probably still like training. But yeah, he'll probably come on for the second half of the Arsenal game. You'll probably see Raheem Sterling too. So those are two pretty nice signings. And the, the Kunde one, I may be wrong. Like I said, these things are developing very quickly. Uh, Barcelona may still yet come in and you know snag him from under our noses. But yeah, if he if he signs, then that's Christensen and uh, Rudiger, you know, replaced right there. So pretty would be pretty happy with that. Uh, let's move on to another, uh, I think, underrated signing. This will probably go under the radar to a lot of people. But Jed Spence from Middlesbrough to Tottenham for about uh, 20, 20 million Javier's put here. Uh, that that's a really really good signing. Uh, not just for Antonio Conte, even though it is a very good Antonio Conte signing, a very energetic right wing back, a young player who was a big part of Nottingham Forest's promotion last year. He's going to come in, and I don't know if he'll start right away, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's starting by the end of the season. And even yeah, if Conte seems like a a Daniel Levy signing, you know, um, just yeah, not a, a bad one either. English right back for not not a huge fee. Um, but yeah, it just seems like they're loading up on wingbacks to to give Antonio Conte depth there, you know, because he's going to, I'm sure he's going to get injuries to his fullbacks this season and he's going to need to rotate. And uh, this is just another another depth piece and, and like you said, might be starting by the end of the season. So I think that's a, another sneaky good signing for, for Tottenham there. I would go as far as to say that Jed Spence is the second best t- signing Tottenham have made behind Yves Basuma. Because I think even if Conte leaves after a year or two, uh, managers like going two or three managers down the line from now, Jed Spence will be a huge part of a lot of those managers' plans. So, um, yeah, moving on to yeah some of the lower clubs. There were some signings that we didn't get a chance to talk to on our last transfer check-in. Um, Andreas Pereira going from Man United to Fulham kind of seems like a big one, but uh, for, for $10 million, that seems like a decent fee for Fulham, but... I don't really rate him that highly. He's past the promising phase. I don't know about you. Do you think that's a good enough signing to help them stay up? Yeah, I mean, it seems like a decent decent level. They, they're going to need a, a few more players of that level. You know, I don't think that they should be going and spending 30, 40 million like they did the the last time, but they should be making yeah. shrewd signings like this. More more of these, more of these, Fulham. 
Yeah, it just kind of it, it kind of reminds me of like I think it was four years ago, uh, not the last time they were up, but the time before that. Uh, they signed Andre Sherla, and he was you know great in some games and then invisible in most others. Kind of, Pereira has always struck me as that kind of player. He'll bang in a couple of beautiful right-footed curlers from the left side, but I don't know if he'll do it often enough to keep them up. So we'll see. Uh, moving on, uh, Brentford, they made uh, two very notable signings. Aaron Hickey, a Scottish uh, left back, who can also play a right back from Bologna for about 18 yeah, million. Yeah, it looked like Arsenal were going to buy him for Yeah, a I was while, about to so. say, that's kind of wild that like a lot of bigger, much bigger teams than Brentford were connected with him. Then those links died off, and all of a sudden he's at Brentford. So It was after that Scotland uh, World Cup qualifier that he apparently, that was his debut, and he had an absolute nightmare. Um, and then Arsenal kind of cool off their interest in him, so did a bunch of other big teams. So I think that kind of opened the door for Brentford to come in. Still a significant fee for uh, for a player coming in, you know, from the Italian league. Uh, someone that they paid, you know, one tenth of that. So big profit Bologna are making on, uh, you know, Tomayasu and Hickey. Both of them, both similar fees around, you know, eighteen million. So good business for Bologna to get make some money there, and and it seems like fullbacks from Italy are. Uh, or all the, the rage right now. They're so hot right now. Uh, yeah, well, they probably had that money because they were able to get a very experienced, solid keeper in Thomas Trokosha uh, from Lazio on a free. Uh, he's the Albanian national team goalkeeper, another Albanian added to the league. Yeah, he's a pretty good goalie. He's a very good goalie. Yeah, he's got European and experience. There to uh, compete with David Raya. I mean, that those are two good goalies that Brentford have now. Brentford are adding depth. I, I don't think they're going to get relegated this season, man. That was a crazy it, prediction you made it. on that last pod. I didn't. I said Brighton. Come on, man. Yeah, you're right. Brighton. <laughs> same thing. Same thing. B teams. All right. Crazy. Moving on to West Ham, uh, they have made a centre-back signing, uh, Naif Eguerd from uh, Rennes. Uh, Javier put in here that it was Don't 30 really million. Don't really know much about him. But I don't yeah, know much 30, about him either. 30 million pounds. But he's, he's a from, Moroccan, he's Moroccan national. six foot two. Yeah, plays yeah. next to Roman Saiz on the national team. I mean, I, if anything goes by that, he, he's probably a decent player. You know, played for Rennes, who, who have been played in Europa League and in the Conference League in the last few seasons, so... Decent team in France. Played in Champions League like two seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. So, again, group. this guy's probably probably a pretty decent player. Uh, but the big news, which uh, was burning hot uh, the, over the over the weekend, was uh, that West Ham are supposedly close to signing Chelsea striker Armando Broya on a permanent deal, which was the most surprising thing to me because I do believe he signed a six-year deal at Chelsea last summer. So that would mean he has five years left on his deal, and he's only 20 years old. So with that much leverage, from a Chelsea perspective, with that much leverage, you'd figure they'd be able to say, go out on loan. Like West Ham is obviously a step up from Southampton. They'll have European competitions, so more chances for him to play. But supposedly instead, if he moves there, it will be a permanent deal, and there's a chance there will be a buyback, which... I, I'm I'm annoyed at this the, the prospect of this, even it, with with the idea of it being a permanent transfer. I just think that's crazy to let a player like him go when th- there's no signs of Chelsea signing an actual like center forward this summer, even with Lukaku going. If the the, the players that could play center forward for Chelsea going into the season were Kai Havertz, Timo Werner, Armando Broya, and then you know if, if there's a bunch of injuries, Raheem Sterling played has played there a bit for Man City. 
then I could live with that. There's there's promise there. There's plenty of games to give players like Broya an opportunity in the Champions League and Cup games. But if he goes to West Ham, it will be a, I think, a devastating decision, an early mistake yeah, from Bowley. Yeah, that'd be a pretty, pretty crazy. But on the bright side for West Ham, that would be an excellent signing for them. They they have a striker curse that's even worse than Chelsea's. Uh, it goes back like 30 years. They, they've really struggled for strikers. And when they've had good ones, like Dean Ashton, oh, no, they've Dean been... Dean Ashton and Craig no, Bellamy. I'm saying, that was, even that when was they've a, had good ones, good pair. they end up being very injury prone. So they can't really build around them. So Yeah, Bellamy and Ashton were both injury prone. Right. And Carlton Cole had a good couple of moments for West Ham and then got injured. It's, it's a cursed position for them. So getting one of the brightest young strikers from last season in the Premier League would be a huge get for them. It's not official yet, but it looks like a very strong rumor. So we'll, we'll see uh, what ha- happens there. Moving on to some of the big moves around uh, Western Europe. We'll hit on the, uh, the the main big teams that compete for the Champions League, or at least would like to compete for the Champions League every season. Uh, they've fallen off a bit in the last year or two, but Barcelona are certainly doing everything they can, moving financial mountains to make big signings and uh, send a message to Real Madrid that they're not going to go quietly into the night. They've signed, in recent days, Robert Lewandowski from Bayern Munich, one of, if not the best, uh, center forward in the world. Uh, Rafinha from Leeds, when it looked like Chelsea and Arsenal were, uh, you know, well in there to get him. Uh, they, they already had Frank Cassier and Andreas Christensen wrapped up from uh, late last season on free transfers. But the kicker is, as of right now, Barcelona still cannot register those players. They need to move on someone, anyone. They've, they're have they trying to push Frankie de Jong out the door, sell him to Manchester United so they can free up uh, like cap space in their salary and you know actually pay these players and clubs all of these massive fees they've agreed. I would, like, what if Chelsea comes in there and, and gazomps United for de Jong? That's a player worth spending $100 million on. I don't know about 100 million for Frankie De Jong, but I think we would only do it if it was to if we already had Kunde and we offloaded Aspilicueta and Alonso to Barcelona and did some financial chicanery where we structured the deal for Frankie De Jong with Barcelona so that the math worked out that they could perfectly clear out enough salary caps so they could register all these players that I've just mentioned. And have them available to play in the league season this year. I could totally see something like that happening. Chelsea would. Well, here's the thing. That's I can't say this is what's going to happen after I've just been like nothing. I have no idea what's going to happen with Chelsea because of the new ownership. I'm just saying there's a very obvious problem at Barcelona, and if Chelsea want to take advantage of that to you know move on some older, admit it, a very uh, like great Chelsea players, Espelicueta and Alonso, you know that'd be big moves. But we do have you know potentially Kunde coming in. Uh, we have Emerson, who can replace Alonso as the backup left wing back. Some other players, uh, Levi Colwell, for example. We have all these options in place that we can, you know, move on some uh, some salaries of Alonso and Aspilicueta, both are over thirty, both probably not getting any better anytime soon. And uh, you know, move into a, a new era of Chelsea while you know, sort of fixing Barcelona's like problem at least for this year, um, and. You know, everyone gets something out of the deal. So I, I don't know. It just seems like a, a theory that I, I could see working out. But what, what do you think of Barcelona's yeah, transfer Le, business overall? Le, Lewandowski. I mean, that's a crazy signing. You know, I never would have thought that he would have left Bayern, but 
I guess it was about time. Things kind of were going stale there. They were never winning the Champions League, so... Yeah, he, only had a, he only had a year left on his deal, and he was making yeah. a bunch of, you know, come and get me, please, to Barcelona for ages, so... Um, I mean, good on Bayern for at least getting a fee there. Rafinha, that's, that's a huge signing for Barcelona. I mean, I think he's going to tear up La Liga... The way that he was doing in the Premier League, I mean, he he's only going to have even more joy in La Liga, and I mean, the guy's going to be like Neymar in the in La Liga. I think he's going to score 15, 18 goals. Do you get really like think so? 10, 12 assists. Yeah, I really do. Uh, I see, think he's he's, he's see, such here's a the good thing. player. I don't think Rafinha is. I think he's. I think he's a very good player. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think Rafinha is the star player signing. I, I think he's going to be the. Don't take this the wrong way. I think he's going to be the Pedro. To Robert Lewandowski, he's going to be the hardworking player that makes runs to free up space for Lewandowski. Plays in beautiful crosses from interesting positions for him, but I don't think he's the star piece. I think he's, you know, the the facilitator to the stars like Ferran Torres and Robert Lewandowski. It's still a great signing, but I don't think he's the star man there. Frank Kessier, great midfielder for AC Milan, one of my favorite youngsters years ago, and he's just always been pressed on Milan. They win the title, and then they get him on a free. Seems like a great signing. Same with Christensen. I mean, all these signings seem like really, really, really good signings. I've been saying it for years. I've always been a big Christensen fan. I've never backed off of that, even when he's not played well. I've always said that if he does end up leaving Chelsea uh, before, you know, like an old age, unless he stayed his whole career... We would regret it. He is one of the classiest center backs, especially on the ball, I've ever seen the club produce. Uh, he's going to go on to be a star, and people are going to make fun of Chelsea like they do for Mohamed Salah and Kevin De Bruyne. So you heard it here first, people, but I've been saying it for years. So, uh, yeah, that's an excellent signing for them. And, yeah, they may add Aspilicueta and Alonso to, the, to that mix. So basically they're just trying to steal half of our defense. <laughs> Oh, well, uh, let's move on to Bayern because they have made a uh, recent move. I can't believe I didn't write down the Sadio Mane transfer, but we kind of already talked about that one. Recently, though, they have signed Juventus center back Matthias De Ligt for about $60 million. Uh, they came in, and as soon as they made their interest known, uh, De Ligt turned away from the, uh, the Chelsea interest that I think we mentioned in the last transfer check-in pod. And uh, he went straight to uh, Bayern Munich. So, got to admit, I, I would have would have liked him. He's very promising, twenty two year old center back. But I think it shows the sort of statement of intent that uh, Bayern are uh, showing to uh, Nagelsmann, where you know they've they've got him as young center back to help shore up that defense. They've got him a young midfielder for the future. And this Ryan is the Gravenberg. Nicholas Sewell replacement because they let yeah, Sewell walk absolutely. to Dortmund. So. Uh, and then he got his Robert Lewandowski replacement with Sadio Mane. So. I, yeah, Mane is now the backing, new star. He's yeah, the man. They're backing He's the man now, now. At, uh, at Bayern Munich. So, you know, they re-signed uh, Serge Gnabry. Serge Gnabry signed a five-year deal. So, you know, they now have their their that front line sorted with with you know Gnabry, uh, Mane, Coman, Mane, Coman. Yeah, that's a crazy pacey front Sane, three right there. Musiala. It's a, and a lot of switchable players. Nabri himself can go and play in a central position and let Mane... Uh, sorry, did I say Nabri? Yeah, Nabri can go into a central position and let Mane drift wide and vice versa. And Nagelsmann, even back to his time at uh, uh, Hoffenheim, I think he had Nabri there and he played him as like a, a central role at times. 
he loves players that you know are unconventional central striker types. He's not usually he doesn't usually prefer like a Lewandowski target man that everything gets played towards and focused on. He likes a bit more variation in the build up and players that can confuse defenses with defenses with their movement. So it might be addition by subtraction, losing such a big goal scorer in Lewandowski. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but you know there are a lot of possibilities at Bayern Munich off the back of this. So uh, I, I'm going to skip over Real real quick. We'll come right back to them because uh, Borussia Dortmund's just staying in the Bundesliga. They made even more moves than Bayern Munich, and I think they've had an excellent summer uh, in one where they've you know lost, obviously, a, a huge talent in Erling Haaland. Um, there was some bad news earlier today, or I think it may have, may have been yesterday, that they did sign Sebastian Allaire from uh, Ajax for about $28 million. Uh, but they, they did just report that uh, he, there's, he's been diagnosed with a testicular tumor, so he's going to be checked out for that. So we may not see him for a while. Hopefully everything's okay. Um, but if that... If he ends up being okay and able to come back, uh, then... Check th- your balls, a, gents. Yes. Cough twice. Public announcement. <laughs> Not to make a joke out of it. Make sure you feel those every uh, every couple months. Going back to Wilair, uh if he come, comes back and is playing for them, uh, he, he's not he's not Erling Holland, obviously, but I think he could do very well and be a, a great link-up player for a lot of these other young attackers that they, that they obviously have. Karim Mediemi, they've uh, brought in from Salzburg, the uh, German striker, and you know I think they the, signed just, just the, the the pipeline of Salzburg to yeah. gods. And then they they already just have they've, Daniel Malen from uh, from last season. Or from, they signed him last year. So th- those are two young, you know, pacey wide players that can, you know, make runs off of Haller and he can link up with them. That could be a nice attack. And the, the real thing they needed to fix was their defense. Then they brought, you already mentioned Nicholas Sewell, Bayern let him walk and he walked straight to their rivals, Dortmund. So they've got him coming in at center back. And then one of the uh, less talked about German prospects, but uh, Nico Schlotterbeck from uh, Freiburg, it's a young center back. I think he's about 21 or 22. Got him for pretty cheap for about 18 million. He's a left-sided center back and left-footed. Freiburg have been really good defensively the last couple of years because of him yeah. primarily. So that's a huge signing. Yeah, huge signing for them. I think they got to the DFB Pokal final last year and lost to uh, RB Salzburg. But I remember watching that game and knowing Slaughterback was going to Dortmund, was watching him specifically, and he was he was excellent in that game. Um uh, he's got a very good range of motion as well. He can get around the field, even though he's a center back and a, and a big center back at that. So him and Sewell come in to fix the defense. And then another really underrated player that I think is going to be very, very good for them going forward is Sely uh, Oshan from uh, FC Colton. He was, he was another cheap player, only about four and a half million. But he's the center midfield replacement for uh, Axel Witzel, who I think is going to Atletico Madrid, if I'm not wrong. So yeah, they they needed some sorting out with their defense. Those are some good signings that could I think could uh, help them there. Um, it's going to be interesting in, in uh, the Bundesliga this year. You know, the two big center forwards for the two top teams, Holland and Lewandowski, have left the league, so it kind of leaves like a power vacuum of who's going to be the the sort of star players in the Bundesliga now. And there's uh, plenty of candidates, so it'll be interesting to watch. Going back to Real Madrid, do you, do you think they've done enough to withstand this uh, this surge from Barcelona? They brought in Antonio Rudiger and Aurelian Chouameni. I haven't really seen many other transfer links uh, for them, but... 
I mean, their team is so freaking stacked as is. I don't. I don't even know what they. What else they would really need? Chuameni and uh, Kamavinga in midfield. That's disgusting. Yeah. Rudiger and uh, Militao backline, like as center backs, they already have. You know, Kareem Benzema, Rodrigo, and Vinicius. So what? Like, what else do they need? Yeah. No, I I agree. I guess when you're at the top. I mean, you only really need to sign Chuameni and Rudiger. Those are two excellent players. They spent like seventy-three million on uh, I mean, Chuameni. Was arguably, I mean, a- a- everyone knows this guy's the you know the the what Pogba should have been. This guy's basically what he is now. You know, this guy's hardworking, but has the skill of of Paul Pogba and the goal scoring ability of him as well, basically. And he's just a physical freak. Uh, all of those things. Probably not as skillful on the ball as Pogba. But then he actually has a defensive better work defensively. Rate. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he actually has defensive work rate and and can, you know, close down and, and, and do the dirty work for Kamavinga, who has all of the creative talent in the world as well. So just an insane midfield with them, Modric, Cruz, Casemiro. It, it just, what, what, that's just, just disgusting. So quick, quick aside. Real Madrid don't need anything else. Quick aside to Chuameni. I don't know how you want to describe this, but I'm going to just throw out a group of uh, a couple of young, young defensive. I don't want to say defensive, young, young midfielders, young center midfielders that I think are going to be, you know, the best players of their generation. Chuameni is on that list. Kamavinga is on that list. Jude Bellingham is on that list from Dortmund. Declan Rice is on that list. Trying to think of who the fifth one would be. Who would you put on, you know, this type of player I'm thinking of? A player that is capable and has the work rate to get forward. A box-to-box like type. Pe- Pedri. Pedri or... Yeah, no, I put him more in the, like, the sort of lighter weight. Gavi, maybe. Yeah, but even... So, you know, one of those are you Spanish not, are you not getting the Are you not getting the profile of player that I'm talking about? Like, more industrious defensively focused but can also it's their their main their main thought process is defensive but they also have the work rate and talent to go forward and attack so like Kamavinga, Shuameni, Declan Rice, Jude Bellingham, Ryan Gravenberch was the other one the Bayern Munich player the one they just signed from Ajax that's who I was trying to think of these are these are bigger these are bigger guys in midfield that are like the modern day box to box like Steven Gerrard, Patrick Vieira types. Do you know what I mean? The, these are the kind of players that like Kamavinga and Chuameni have obviously made their big moves already. But Bellingham, Rice, well, yeah, and Gravenberg has made his move too. So there's two left: Bellingham and Rice. And if you don't, if you're a big team and you want to win big trophies, I think you need to be making sure that you lock down one of those two players. I'm guessing Liverpool are going to go for Bellingham. City will probably have something to say about that. And I'm hoping Chelsea will go for Declan Rice and we'll see what happens after that. Yeah, just want to do a quick aside on that. Uh, Let's move on and just hit on real quick PSG. I don't know if there are any other clubs you want to mention their signings, but... PSG, the, the biggest signing they made was Kylian Mbappe, re-signing him after he was you know, almost certain to go to Real Madrid. Uh, they, they signed him to a three-year deal. Uh, I think he became the highest paid player in terms of salary in sports history. I don't have the exact figures, but he, he went straight uh, to the apparently, top. Apparently, there there's been also all sorts of rumors saying that he now has 
you know, word on the signings that PSG are making. Yep. You know, he's been given like manager. Uh, you know, the dude can do whatever he wants. He pretty much owns PSG now. So, uh, and apparently he had a part of to do with going and the, them get it going and getting this this kid uh, Hugo Ekekite, the striker from Reims. Apparently he wanted Mbappe wanted him on the team. Yeah, he's another uh, Sebastian Allaire type. I don't really know anything about him, but... Yeah, he's another Sebastian Allaire type. He was really close to signing with Newcastle and being uh, their new number nine. Um, But I guess PSG trumps that. Uh, Yeah, he he could be a good, nice link-up option. He's a bigger frame, uh, more of a a target man center forward, uh, someone that, you know, Mbappe can play off of. And if it's true that Mbappe has sort of gained like that much power at the club that he's dictating transfer policy and how the club is run, then he's doing a pretty good job because they sacked Mauricio Pochettino. They sacked Leonardo, the former uh, director of football. They brought in uh, Luis Campos, the uh, Lille director of football, who also was formerly at Monaco, built that team that Monaco that won the league. He was at Real Madrid when Mourinho was there, helped Mourinho build the teams that went on to win a bunch of Champions Leagues and league titles. He then uh, brought in his old friend from Lille that uh, won Lille the league a couple of years ago, Christophe Gaultier, the best manager in France by far. He was at Nice last year after winning the league with Lille before, uh, the year before. Uh, and yeah, he's he's going to be, he's a very different kind of manager to like the the superstars they've had in uh, the past, like, you know, Carlo Ancelotti and guys like that. He's not as, you know, box office, but he wins trophies, man. He's He's been a hell of a manager for multiple different clubs in France the last couple of years. And yeah, he was one of, I think I was saying to you that like Arsenal, if you guys managed, if you had fired Arteta earlier, Gaultier would have been the first one you, you should have called if you, if you fired uh, Arteta about a year or so ago. Um, that's how much I think of him. So it's uh, it seems like a more like team and, uh, you know, club wide approach to success and less of a star driven focus. So I, I yeah. think that could Another benefit sneaky them. Another good signing is that uh, that center midfielder from Porto, Vitinha. Right. Yeah, like 40 million on him. And he's probably going to be a, a, a key player for them this season. Just it seems like they're moving off a lot of the old guard players like Marco Verratti, who, you know, have just he's been there now 10 years you know players that that have had their moments already but they need fresh blood in the midfield they need fresh blood in the back line re-signing Mbappe was huge I just you know I think PSG in the next year or two they'll they'll get their Champions League that they've so desperately been trying to buy yeah it's also another reason why I I don't think the Kimpembe links to Chelsea which have been out there the last week or so I don't think there's really anything to to them because if you're if you're PSG, you're going to want to prove that you know Parisian players, like one of the best places to produce talent. Parisian players have a place at the you know the capital's major club, uh, and Kimpembe is another is another one. I know Mbappe didn't come out of PSG's academy, but you know he is Parisian as well. He's Kimpembe is one that actually did come out of their academy and has had all kinds of success with them. So I don't see him leaving. And uh, there's rumors that they may even go go and still sign like Milan Skriniar from Inter. So, um, I mean, he's a big player and a very important player, but that's not like the Neymar, Mbappe, 
you know, messy kind of signing that, you know, or the, the, that kind of window they had last year. This isn't the same thing. They're, they're looking to build more of a cohesive unit of a squad that can actually challenge for Europe's biggest trophy. So, Javier, unless there's anything, uh, any other clubs or specific signings you wanted to talk about in Europe? Only uh, only that Ibrahimovic has signed another year-long deal at uh, AC Milan. So at 41 years old, he will be playing in the Champions League for the Italian champions what a what a beast well he i mean he has that acl injury so he might not be back in time well they've re-signed him so hopefully yeah i'm saying for champions league like he'll play this season i hope i mean it's not that bad but hopefully he gets back in time to play some champions league football because we we do miss slots on in the uh, in the champions league even at 41 do you know what i'm happiest about neither of us mentioned pogba as a big signing (laughs) yeah fuck that guy i said fuck juventus (laughs) They don't care about anything that they're doing. <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? Yeah, Paulo Dybala to Roma. That's a that's a pretty big one. That's a big one for Mourinho, and uh, I think that that's a very good signing for Roma. Do you want to hear a funny clause that he has in that contract? At the end of this season, if they don't qualify for Champions League, he has a buyout clause for twenty million. Do you think any club would want to buy Paolo Dybala for twenty million if uh, you know Roma don't make it to the Champions League? I mean, I guess outside of him having like a freakish I think there season, will be, there will, yeah, I think there well, will be some. Well, Javier, some they could have gotten him for a free this year, and there's no interest. So I'm just saying, Paolo Dybala, he uh, he he hit the free agent market on July one and waited for his phone to ring and was just sitting there on vacation, like, oh no, no one wants me. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, Roma, not the, not the worst end result, to be fair. Yeah, he does still end up in Rome. Yeah, let's wrap things up there. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of plenty more transfers. We've still got more than a month before the transfer window closes. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. There's going to be a lot of these free agent players that, you know, are like Dybala sitting around waiting for the phone to ring that are going to get calls as the transfer deadline uh, inches closer and closer. So Javier, thanks for jumping on this one. I appreciate it. We're, like I said at the beginning of the pod, we are about two weeks away from the start of the new Premier League season. So that means it's time to go to PremierLeague.com, or I guess fantasy.premierleague.com, and join the Ghost Goal Podcast Fan League. I'll post the uh, password to join the Fan League uh, on our Twitter at Ghost Goal Pod and Instagram at Ghost Goal Pod as well. Uh, make your team, set your lineup. Uh, before the uh, first game kicks off on Friday, August 4th, Crystal Palace hosting Arsenal. Leave a rating and review if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. New ratings and reviews help new listeners find the pod, and we'd really appreciate it if you guys helped us grow this thing. You can follow Javier on Twitter, at JavierRev9, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram, ASMoss92. The podcast socials, again, are at GhostGoalPod, and you can send us email questions or requests to GhostGoalPod at gmail.com. Once again, keep an eye out for the uh, women's Euros, the knockout stage, England, Spain, plenty of other big games. Enjoy those games. And until next time, see you.